all of us have had a moment. Maybe not all of us, but a lot of us have had that moment, that moment that we're chasing, right? A lot of us have gone to concerts where we, we had some spiritual experience. We had this, uh, this revelation, and then we're chasing that spiritual experience. We're chasing that U2 conference, I mean con- concert. We're chasing the concert. Others of us, like my my son, had a, a teacher uh, named Mister Tukey who who changed everything. Right? He was he's this great history teacher, and he made history come alive. And that class is is the moment you talk about that teacher. Now that teacher, Mister Tukey, has left, and so the poor teacher who has to follow him is has got to deal with the legend, with the person who gave young people a moment, a life transforming moment. Right? We all have these moments. Not long ago, Susan and I were sitting here on Sunday in the service, and we had a moment. Like, I wasn't doing anything. Uh, she wasn't doing anything in the church, so that means I wasn't preaching. I was in the band. She wasn't in the band. We weren't doing kid vespers. We weren't cooking. We weren't doing any of those things. And so there we were sitting in with the community, listening to the sermon, listening to the music, participating, and we had a moment. A moment in church that we haven't had in a long time that, that was transformative to our week in the sense that, that there was such a peace to it, right? And you, you begin to chase that moment. We all have our moments and we're chasing them. The concert, the church service, the teacher, right? I've been a pastor for 17 years, and people come up to me all the time and say, hey, I've got a book for you to read. I, I'm, I, have you heard this pastor? And, and none of those people ever come to me to talk about their author friend or their, the pastor that they love or whatever. They never tell me their stats. They don't say, oh, they weigh uh, 200 pounds and they're six foot four and blah, blah, blah. They don't, they don't say any of those things. They just tell me, how this person opened their eyes to something, taught them something, changed something for them. And so, they want me to have that same experience. They want to tell me that experience and they want me to experience it too with them. It's a way of connecting. It's, a, it's, uh, it's them wanting to share the things that they have. Now, there's a guy named John who writes a bunch of different books in the New Testament. And he writes in the Gospel of John about his moment. A moment that he had with Jesus, a moment that the other apostles and disciples had with Jesus. In the Gospel of John, which would be the fourth story of Jesus, goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In chapter 15, starting in verse 13, John tells us about a moment with Jesus. He says in verse 13, this is Jesus speaking, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. I just want to stop there. I just want you to notice something that Jesus says about the apostles. 
he tells them that he is their friend, that they are his friend, that he's going to lay his life down for them. But he says that there is, that there is a thing that makes you a friend versus a servant. The thing that makes you a friend versus a servant is that you know the business of your friend. So if you're the employee, you don't know the business of your boss. The boss doesn't want to tell you why he's doing what he's doing. If you're a servant, you don't get to know why the master's telling you what to do. You just do it. But when you are a friend, a friend lets you in on why he's doing what he's doing. And Jesus says that he is going, he lets the apostles, he lets us in on what he's doing. He's our friend. Now, John, the writer, the apostle, one of the fathers of the church, writes a number of letters to kind of expand this, but also to really, he wants to let people know just how important this moment was in his life. And and so he writes a couple letters. He writes 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Really creative, right? Uh, it's just how we know that they're his letters. And he opens up 1 John this way. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Now, if you read through john's gospel if you read anything that john's saying like you know that the word of life means jesus but it means more than just the human it means the fully god fully man word of life made flesh amongst us and john says like look we saw him we touched him we heard him but then he says something that's very important he says that we looked upon him. And, and this word looked is, is a word that's more like gazed. But it's not just like gazed, you know, like, oh, wow, and, and you just kind of gaze upon the, the meadow. This is that moment when you're in that classroom, you're like a teenager, you're Twitter-pated with this goddess or god of the opposite sex. You think that they're beautiful. Uh, they don't know you exist. And all you, you find yourself staring at them And you begin to, and you're just taking them in, you're taking them in, you're taking them in. You're gazing upon them. And then their eyes meet yours, and then you look away awkwardly, and it's very uncomfortable. Well, that part doesn't happen between the disciples and Jesus. John is saying, we took him in. But the reason that he says we saw him, we heard him, we took him in, we touched him, is that he's trying to say, look, man, he was flesh and blood. Like, this is very Middle Eastern, right? You see the, you know, there's a famous picture of George Bush holding hands with the prince of Saudi Arabia. This is what happens when you're friends, when you're more than just acquaintances in the Middle East. You you touch. There's an intimacy that's physical, and that's what John is saying. We had this experience. We had this moment with the God of the universe, the word of life, who was called us his friend. Right? He called us his friend. John goes on and he says, this friend that we saw, heard, gazed upon, touched, who was real in flesh, the life appeared. 
We have seen it and testified to it. And we have proclaimed to you eternal life, which was from the, with the Father and has appeared to us. Like, this is John being really poetic about the story of Jesus. Like, he's using words to say, like, basically, Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus gave us eternal life. But, but what's inter- what's important in this whole thing is, is simply to hang on to the idea of eternal life, right? Because eternal life is not just a get out of free, get out of jail free card, get out of hell card. Eternal life is friendship. It's the symbol of friendship. What, what Jesus, what John is saying is Jesus gives us friendship with God. That he's the key to eternal life. Where does eternal life come? It comes from God himself. So when we grasp hold of Jesus, when we touch, when we see, when we gaze upon him, we are his friends and we are the friends of God. We have eternal life. We have eternal friendship with God. We have eternal friendship with God. But then he goes on to say, we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, what we've seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. Jesus Christ, we write this to make our joy complete. Now, I, I want to just stop there for a second and, and talk about this word fellowship because it's the word we use so often for community. The word in the Greek is koinonia. But what Jesus, I mean, what John is saying is, and this is key, what John is saying is, look, for you and I to have friendship, for you and I to be together in a true sense, we have to be in friendship with Jesus. We have to be in friendship with Jesus. I want to talk to you for a moment about why we come to church, because a lot of times we have this whole friendship thing mixed up, but not just the friendship, it's just like why we come to church. Often we come to church because maybe we want to have that really cool worship experience. We're looking for the moment, the worship experience. We're chasing that musical worship experience. We're chasing that great speaker who knocks it out of the park all the time. We heard him once, and now we're trying to just to get that again and to get that again and to live off that moment and that experience. Or maybe, you know, you're coming for the food if you're coming to the village or, or to very few other churches at the village that actually are in the Tucson that will feed you, right? You're going to for the food. And, and there was that one great meal and now you're just chasing the great meal. Or, or maybe you're looking for what's being talked about in this text here. You're looking for friends. You're looking for connection. What, G, what, what John is saying is like, look, all these reasons that you and I get pushed into community together, into fellowship together, are going to fail and fall apart and, and, and are going to be disappointing for you if the reason you're not coming, coming and gathering in community together is Jesus. Because the only way that you can have true community is when I am friends with Jesus and you are friends in Jesus, and that creates fellowship between us. And our friendship is centered on Jesus. Now, there's this, this end here that says that our joy will be made complete, or some texts say your joy will be made complete. I, 
Our joy will make their joy will be made complete. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, let me just explain it this way. Uh, a while ago, in 2016, I was coaching uh, basketball for Tim Williams and Daniel McConnell at their school, Presidio High School, and, and we weren't the greatest team ever. You know, our, our facilities weren't great. You know, we had a, a rim that was bent down. We were always trying to chase the third and fourth graders off the court. Uh, we we didn't have a lot of opportunities to really have a disciplined practice. Um, so we learned a few things. We managed to run a few offenses. We, we learned a defense here or there, but we weren't good. It's a school full of nerds. It's who, who like education and, and like to talk about ethereal things and that kind of thing. And so, so basketball wasn't their thing per se. But we won a few games, and in one of those games that we won, it was one of those tight games where there was, we, we scored a lot of points, the opposing team scored a lot of points. Things seemed to be clicking on both sides of the ball, except for maybe defense. And near the end of the game, Daniel McConnell dribbles the ball down, and he's not a good three-point shooter, and it's very close. Maybe there's 30 seconds left. And he launches a three-pointer. And it goes in, and it seals the game. And everybody goes crazy, right? And, and the moment there, like I as a coach, I'm like, yes! Everybody on the bench is like, yes! The entire, you know, people who are watching the game, the whole audience, yes! The fans are yes! It's that moment of yes that what, Paul, what, what John is talking about here when he says that our joy be made complete. It's that moment in a humorous sense, when the paleo person sits down with a vegetarian and they have a meaningful conversation because Jesus connects them just because there's different value systems or different ways of understanding the world, their main point is Jesus. And that's what connects them. And when that happens, when, when the liberal and the conservative, when, when people who understand God even differently in some ways sit down and have a meaningful, deep, God-honoring conversation where they care for each other, heaven says, yes. The community of God says, yes. This is how joy is made complete. This is what is so counter to our culture and so counter to even Christian culture. Is that the reason that we come into community, the reason that we come to worship every Sunday, the reason we're here at the village is for Jesus and the friendship that Jesus will produce in us as we go forward and act in the world. Now John says, look, here's Jesus. Here's these cool ideas about Jesus. But what makes Jesus our friend is that he reveals who he is to us. He, he lets us in on his plans. He tells us how we can be interactive with him. And this is what he says about himself. In verse 5, he says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light in him there is no darkness at all now some of you all of us when we hear that 2000 years after Jesus said well that makes sense i mean it would be kind of foolish for god to be have any dark in him right that he could be light is all that he should be because we all know intuitively that light is good but but think about it in the first century gods were dark and light. Zeus was whacked, right? I mean, come on. Hades was more important was was more moral than Zeus. I mean, he he was I think he was monogamous and and really he only ended up where he ended up because he lost on a dice roll. Like see, 
This is mind-blowing. And it has changed history. For Christianity, in particular John, the apostle, to say, God has told us through Jesus that he is all light and no darkness. There's no evil in him. All there is is good and revelation and glory and splendor. God is light. And then he goes on to kind of talk about our relation to him in that. He says, if we claim, and this is us in community, to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. So we walk in darkness. If we say, hey, I have fellowship, I'm friends with Jesus, and yet oh, we don't walk in the truth and we lie. But a couple weeks, or last week, I talked, we were finishing up Galatians, and I talked about the end of chapter 5. And in the end of chapter 5, the Apostle Paul implores us to put away conceit, to put away the provoking of others, and to put away envy. But, but you've you got to understand that there is no truth in conceit. There's only deceit in conceit, right? There's no truth in provoking someone. You're provoking them because of a lie that you're believing. And you only envy people because you, there's a lie. And also the, the darkness is, is, is about true, about a dishonesty and the darkness is about lying. Now here's the problem with all that is that we all are dishonest. We all are not truthful. We do live in the darkness. So is, is John saying like, look, like you're not a friend of Jesus if you do these things? No, he's not saying that. Listen carefully to how he explains what it means to walk in the light. Because this is key. He says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will give us Oh, forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Here, here lies the key, the thing you need to hear. Walking in the light is not sinning. Like walking in the light, I mean, is not you not sinning. Walking in the light is an honesty and a confession. To be friends with Jesus is to have your sin be brought to light. To be friends with the God of the universe, to be friends with the God of all things, then you're going to have your sin be brought to light. That's how you know you're a friend with Jesus is when your sin is brought to light. So what happens then is when people gather and they're friends with Jesus, then guess what happens? Confession and honesty. Confession and honesty happen. Confession and honesty happen. And when confession and honesty happen, then we end up having true, deep, meaningful friendships regardless of our political positions, our dietary restrictions or belief systems, regardless of our personalities, regardless of our introverted, extroverted natures, regardless of all those things, we have deep, meaningful friendship because all that is broken in us is brought to light and healing happens in friendship, the fellowship of the community of the people of God. There is an old maxim in the church that says one Christian is no Christian at all. 
because honesty and confession can't happen outside of community. So let me pause here and let me offer you kind of my feeling about things. We're in this series called Community Plus Other Stuff. And this is kind of a little talk on community, but here's what I want you to hear. (laughs) We're headed into uh, basically our membership service on September 9th, which is our belonging service. And at the belonging service, you have this opportunity to sign a covenant. A covenant is an agreement. That agreement says, I agree with the things that this church believes, and I am going to offer my, my gifts, my talents, and my finances, and submit to the leadership of this community for this year. This is where I'm going to pour my energy into. This is my community. Now, others of you belong to this community, but you say, man, I don't think I can sign the covenant right now. I don't know if I want the leaders to hold me accountable um, at, to that level, but I, uh, but I belong. I like this church. I'm still trying to figure out Jesus. Then you can also do the art project with everybody else and make a statement of belonging. This year, we're going to have a photo booth, and you can bring your own props. But here's what I want to kind of lay out for you in all that. We're headed into two services, September 16th, and I'm excited about what God is doing in this community. You may have noticed at times when you come on Sunday that the food line goes all the way back to the end of the sanctuary. Other times it does not. But it has gotten to the place where we need to go to two services to create space so that new people can come and actually enjoy what is really good about the village on a Sunday. But on top of that, we, we have a lot of kids. And to really actually minister to those kids, but also minister um, to one another, and to really hold on to what the village is, we do need smaller community, a little bit smaller community. And so we're going to two services. But Here's what I want to lay out for you, because I really believe Jesus is doing something. But if you're coming to the village hoping somehow you're going to have some musical worship experience every Sunday, don't come. If you think that somehow I and the elders are going to you know, knock it out of the park every week and we're going to change your life by the way we speak and, and the way we bring the Word of God to you, don't come. Like... If somehow you think you're going to have bosom buddies at the village, like that's why you're here is to connect with the person, to find the person that has everything in common with you, like find the guy who loves hunting or the guy who loves fishing or the guy who loves board games or, or the guy who likes theology or the woman who, who loves to do this particular creative thing or the woman who likes hunting and fishing too or whatever it is, who, however that, that, that extrovert that you're extroverted or that special introvert or whatever it is that you're looking for somehow some special friendship, some special connection don't come. If those are the reasons, those can all be byproducts, but if those are the reasons you're coming, don't come because it's not what the village is about. It's not really what any church is about or should be about. But if you want to be part of a community that believes that God is acting in their midst and believes that God is going to act and is ready for what God is going to do and wants to find where Jesus is and join him, then come to the village. Now, when I, when I, with Rod, planted the village in 2001, which is 17 years ago, the thing that I would say to Jesus 
every week when I would go to the place with me is, Jesus, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. But, but if you act, I will join you. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm available. If you want to be in a community that's saying that, if you want to be in a community that is ready to see healing happen, wants God to act, has seen God act already, and, and is ready to love each other and embrace each other regardless, is ready to forgive each other and care for each other and engage one another, even though we've hurt each other, come. If you're willing to, to come to a community where the leaders are like, hey, let's just be honest, we're going to fail you, that, that it's going to be painful to be led by us, yeah, there are going to be great joys and we're going to walk alongside of you and we're going to fight and try to teach you about Jesus and, and, and be in the midst with you and, and wrestle with you. But, but if you come to, you're going to come to a community where the leader's like, hey, like we're, we're really trying to be holy, but we're broken. If that's what you're looking for, then come to the village because that's where we're at. We want holiness, but we're broken. And we won't be honest about that. We're not always going to come through for you. We're going to be disappointing, but hey, if you want to come and carry my burden and I'll carry yours and we'll see what Jesus is going to do with us, then come to the village. I'm excited about what he's doing. I'm excited about this community. I'm excited what's going to happen over the next year. So come, be part of it. Enjoy these next few messages about just sort of some of the philosophy of things and etc. And I'll just put this note for those of you who are listening on the internet. I apologize. You missed out on the slideshow. You missed out on Jake wandering around with a dollar with his eyes closed. But I really did want to get this message onto the internet. I'm also sorry because it, I sound different when I'm preaching to a bunch of couches. Um, but I hope God uses this to get so that you can hear what I said on Sunday night, which I think is very important. Amen.